Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ile by the Glass. My name is Layla Joy Williams, and I'm the owner and founder of Ilia, which is a luxury beverage collection that you see behind me, which I produce in Spain, and I export to the United States. And today on this very exciting episode, I have, he's not even like a friend, he's like family. I've known him since I'm 16 years old, um, Denio Madeira. So welcome, Denio. Hi. <laughs> so well, Denio is an incredible architect. Um, he really is probably one of the most incredible, most talent, the most talented people I know, um, an incredible tastemaker. And he's um, based in um, South Florida. And he really designs all of the luxury properties that, you know, you you leaf through in magazines and you just can't even believe that, you know, someone like Denio, so talented, is actually producing it. So this is really exciting to me because it's a, a really personal podcast. Thank you for joining me, Denio. What a wonderful introduction. That was very, very you think sweet. So? Okay. You. Well, you deserve yeah. it. Um, so, you know, there's whenever we're together, it's some of the best times. Um, and I'm so nervous. Um, First of all, you got to explain how we know each other. Oh, my gosh. So Denio was my high school teacher. I met him when I was 16 years old at um, my high school. But I wasn't, I wasn't a high school teacher. I taught at a college and then they were giving high school students college credit. So they sent mm -hmm. me over there to teach you guys and teaching the high school students was more fun. Yes. Than the college yes, students. Students. So let me no. back it up. So when I was in, um, I guess, uh, just in junior high school, as well as high school, I went to magnet schools. And I was lucky enough to be, I think, the second class of a school called um, DASH, Design and Architecture Senior High. And so it was a curriculum that was based in design. So you had working professionals that were teaching us as well as the core, you know, basic stuff that you need to learn in school. But they made it really kind of, um, I would say, user friendly for students who have a creative bent. And Denio has been... Um, probably more than he knows, so influential in my life, I actually ended up going to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn because of Denio. So Denio came into our lives, my but class. I, but I graduated from Pratt too, so that's a big deal. I know. I only knew about okay. Pratt because of you. And um, I was actually going to be an architect. Um, and uh, then I, did, I veered off into um, industrial design. But um, that said, he's literally the only architect that I know who's actually doing some of the most creative, most inventive products or projects um, that I, you know, that are out there today. So, I mean, there's certain things that we've never really discussed because whenever we're together, we just have like so much fun. As soon as I land in Miami, I yeah. like called Enio and, <laughs> and then the shenanigans happen, but he's just, what I love most about you, Denio, is that you're, you're so intelligent, you're so cultured, but in a way that doesn't make other people feel inferior. And I think that's something that my sisters and I always say about you. You're just a very special person, you know? Okay. And the other thing about you is that you really live fully with all of your senses. Do you know what I mean? From design to food to music, like you are one of those people that really lives in a world of sensory overload. It's incredible. But um, I've never really talked to you about your childhood and like how, you know, your childhood and your culture has affected or kind of influences or informs your Design. Oh, I didn't know that we were going to go there. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go. Because you're just so creative. So, like, are you, you're first generation American, right? 
Is that correct? I'm born and raised in Miami. My parents are born in Cuba. Okay. Um, but they've been here since the early 60s. So by the time I was born, they had already been in the States for a solid 10 years and okay. living their life. And that's interesting. And um, so what was your childhood like? I mean, did does your culture, your Cuban culture uh, kind of paint the way you kind of, how did that, like, what was a prism like that kind of gives you this vision that you have? It's a really spectacular because it's just like. I wish really, I could say that it was more Latin Cuban than it was, but honestly, mm-hmm. um, I grew up in the seventies. I don't remember that much about zero to, to 10. I remember the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 80s That's are what cool. I remember. Yeah. So, um, and you grew up in Miami. I, 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 I grew, I grew like... up in Coconut. I grew up in Coconut Grove, which is, which is important because I didn't grow up in a Latin neighborhood. I didn't grow up in, yeah. a, I didn't grow up in Hialeah or Westchester, like a lot of, I grew up in, in more of a white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I had white bullies. I remember them. And so <laughs> I just, I grew up in the Grove. And by the way, those bullies are my very close friends now, which I'm is very sure funny. And they follow me on Instagram. It's a whole thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't grow up as Latin as most Latin kids do in Miami. Um, I went to, you know, I went to schools that were not as Latin as some of my other friends schools, but um, as far as my childhood, I, I'm going to say something that's, that I've said before, and a lot of yeah. people don't get it. I really had an, a perfect childhood. I had know, you always say that. I, I really had, had two wonderful, loving, supportive parents. You always said that, yeah. My mom and dad, both. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that, I didn't, I didn't realize that kids had, you know, a, a dad who was an alcoholic or a mom that was nuts or... You know, like I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that that existed until like later in life when I was in college, I was like, really? You're, you're so I just, I'm, I'm really blessed that I grew up with these two parents that were loving and supportive. I was always kind of creative. I was into art. So they, they pushed me, you know, I, one of the, the turning points in my life was mm-hmm. I got kicked out of private school. Oh, just I, didn't know that. I, I don't stupid reasons, but I ended up going to a, a public high school and that public high school had an art program. Oh, um, and that art program was a big deal. If I would have stayed in private school, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been as creative or I would have gone into architecture. So I was, I was in, I went to Gables high school and I, I went mm-hmm. there in the eighties and I had all my art teachers were like very supportive and I wouldn't have gotten into Pratt. And I, and actually I got a full scholarship to Pratt and I Ooh, got a full scholarship yeah. to Pratt because of my, my teachers like helped me with, you know, there was all these, um, scholarships and they helped me do, you know, they just helped me do it. So I really credit public schools for at least public school in the eighties for, for the development of my creative abilities. Um, but yeah, as far as talking about my childhood, my mom, my dad, everyone was, was great. I grew up in the Grove. Like I could do whatever I want. Like my parents were not religious. They weren't strict. Um, I, I, you, you asked me the questions because I don't really know where to, but like, you know, like as funny. I said, what I, what I realized was when I got older and I mm-hmm. met people in college and I, and you leave Miami, I realized, oh, wow, my, I didn't grow up like that. Like I didn't have parents like that. So, yeah. um, and to this day, you know, my father passed away a couple of years ago, but he yeah. was just, there, there's no one better. There's no one wiser and there's no one kinder. And same with my mom. That's amazing. It's funny because I didn't really think about it much when I was younger, but 
I can honestly say that my mom's from the Caribbean. My father is from Florida, but he grew up like in the forties, you know, back when it was segregated. So that has, that really, and then he went to New York and became a broadcaster and everything, but just being around them really, um, kind of shaped my view of the world. Like I knew that as soon as I finished like Pratt, I wanted to leave as soon as my like high school finished, I was like on the first smoke plane smoking up to New York to go to school. And as soon as Pratt was over, I was like on the first flight to like Asia. I just wanted to see the world. That was really important to me. So I thought maybe, um, that had some like, um, effect on you. I want to tell you how much I loved Miami. When I graduated, I went to, I I went, I, I came right back. I came I right back. Like, that's how much I love Miami. Like I graduated from college. I went to I went to some graduate school in Denmark. I did a I did a you know I was away for five or I was away for six years, six and a half years. I was gone from Miami from the time from high school to the time that I graduated from all my studies. I was gone for about six and a half years, and I came right back to Miami. I never thought, oh, I'm going to move to New York or I'm going to move to Europe or I'm going to. I just like I'm going back to Miami. Like I but love I Miami. I actually love Miami more because of you. Because I, I mean, you know, like it's just, you know, sometimes you see things through other people's eyes, you know, like right. your old house in um, Coral Gables, is that Coral Gables? It, uh, no, it was Miami Shores. Miami Shores. Like that was yeah. like the, the spot. Like yeah. my sister and I, we always had so much fun with you. So yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I mean, why I'm curious to know what was it, what is it about Miami that you just, you're so connected I just, to? I always, maybe I'm a, a, a um, creature of comfort or the other way around, but I just, I loved Miami. I just, I, I love the ocean. I love Coconut yeah, Grove. Where I, grew like up. I love Miami beach. I just, I'm very comfortable there. I've traveled the world. I've been everywhere. And I'm always yeah. like, would I look, rather live here than in Miami? And I don't, I don't think so. You know, like I just came back from France and I was like, Oh, this is lovely. I've, you know, you look at real estate prices there and you're like, wow, they can buy a beautiful house here that you can't, can't do in Miami, but I just still love Miami. And I'm not sure why it is, but I just, I just love it. Um, most of my friends from childhood are no longer here. They're somewhere else, but we still connect through social know, media. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of like the last old school Miami guy that's still here. I think most, most of my friends that I went to high school with and college with, they all went off in different directions, but I just stayed here. And, and, and I think it, it, it ended up working out for me because now I'm kind of um, like I've really, I've got roots here. I've got friends here. I've got my clients here. I don't think I can go, go anywhere and start a career because I'm so rooted in Miami. Like everyone I knows imagine you like moving somewhere. It's so funny because as cultured as you are, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, I, I, would, I don't mean every that. Time I, travel, up, I mean that really like you just, you can literally, there are very few people that can sit with anybody. And I think I'm one of those people too. You know, yeah. and I mean, you make everyone feel comfortable and you could, you literally could live anywhere in the world. But if you told me you moved, I'd be like, what is going on? <laughs> well, listen, the day that I move is the day that I have retired and I can move somewhere. But right yeah. now my career has me here in Miami yeah. Like my clients are, I don't have international clients. My clients are in Miami beach. They're in Palm beach. I don't really do work in New York or the Hamptons or, or Aspen or any of those places, unless my client from here is asked me to do something over there, which I have done. But in general, I'm like the Miami designer and I've really become a, a designer that everyone associates with Miami, which, which is great. So the day that I move somewhere else, which I have fantasies of doing, but I have when I'm older, when I can, you know, afford some villa 
that's, you know, in Tuscany or in the but south of France. You want to get like a, a yacht. I just want you to like, you know, I, want I, to I, I, I like other people's yachts. I, I don't want, I don't want my own yacht. I like <laughs> other people's yachts. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm on yachts all the time and I'm always like, oh, this is lovely, but I'm glad it's not mine. By the way, oh, we're wait drinking... a second. You're drinking wine? No, I'm, I'm having drinking like an ice latte. I'm drinking our lager. Well, you're in Miami. I'm in Spain. It's afternoon here. This is our annual <clears throat> lager. It's delicious. I have to send it to you. We're going to have to put send it, me a case? Into... Oh my gosh. Of course. We have to get it into me. Can you tell me about the name? Cheers, Ilya. So yes, um, when I first started the brand, like nine years ago, we start, I started in fashion. And so, you know, I was looking for names and went through like weeks and weeks sending names to the trademark attorney, but I wanted, I was trying to find something cross category, right? So not just shoes, not just cosmetics. So I couldn't find anything because everything was trademarked. And then finally, Tiff, my younger sister was like, well, Ilya, Layla is Arabic. Why don't you look up Arabic names? So I looked up Arabic names and I found Ilya, which means sublime, sublime, superb person of high standing. And I was like, that's it. And it was available. It's, it's a beautiful name. One of my clients' daughter's name is, that's her, her name. And it's exactly oh that God. spelling as well. Oh my goodness. That's great. No, it was, um, as they say, Burchard, it was, it was meant to be. And so um, it just is really all encompassing, whether it's a fashion or it's the beverages, it's all a part of this Elio world. So yeah, 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 I'm sending you a case. I'll send you a case today. You have to try Can't it wait. You have to get into medium cool, but we'll get to that. So, um, why architecture? Um, when I was in high school, I had a summer job, I think between going to 11th to 12th grade working for an architect. His name was David Johnson. He was, um, I don't know how I connected with him, but he, he was an architect in Coral Gables and I worked for him and I thought he was cool. He like drove a Porsche and he was like cool. And he had like a cool wife and he was like, whatever. He was like this cool guy. So I worked for him and I had no architecture was not on my radar, but art was, I don't know how I got focused on architecture, but I ended up getting um, a scholarship to Pratt for their, for the architecture program, not the art program. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's how I got into architecture and, and that's it. Look, I really wanted to be a, a rock. I was in a band in high school. I was in a band in college. I really wanted to, my name on Instagram is the chainsaw because I was always in these heavy metal bands and that's where the name came from. And I've had that name since I was in college, but I, I was a much better architect than I was a musician. So that, that's how, that's how architecture came about. And I just stuck with it. Um, and, and I never, I didn't really work for a lot of, a lot of architects work for other architects and then start their own business. Yeah, yeah. I worked for two and I, I wasn't a great <laughs> employee. Faster. I got fired. Right, I, from, know, I, know. I got the, la the <laughs> last, the, I've only worked for two. I've worked for David. I worked for Holmes and I worked for um, the, the Canadian oh. guy. You know that name. And I pretty much got fired from all three of those jobs oh. just because I'm not, I'm not a good employee. I'm, I'm talented. They, uh, they all said the same thing. You're very talented. You're not a great employee. Like I don't really do no, what not. I was told and I kind of wander off in other things. Um, honestly, I, I, I like the, the idea of, of designing things, but not doing the, the, the work to, there's two sides of being an architect. You can design something. And you can be creative. And there's the technical aspect of doing the technical drawings and dealing with the city and codes Wait, and all that I nonsense. I remember a name that just came up, Miriam. 
Is that a, your side? Muriel. 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 Oh my gosh. She I took that back from like 10 years ago. Was, so perfect example. So Muriel was perfect because I couldn't deal with any of that stuff, but she could. <laughs> and she was better at that stuff. So we were perfect yeah. partners. So she can, yeah, yeah, yeah. she can make, she can turn my designs into something that's going to stand up. I couldn't do that. I can just design something pretty, but I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to. So she, she was great. But so I've always needed a Muriel in my life. So for yeah. me, I'm, even though I'm a one man show and I have, I have, you know, three or four different people who work for me at a time, we managed to do very large projects with a small staff because I love that. We just do. I don't, I don't know how we do it, but Same. you know, I, yeah. I don't know if you're going to get to that big palace that I designed, but a lot of people don't realize that that giant palace was designed by myself and three employees. That's it. It wasn't a, it wasn't, there wasn't a hundred people. It wasn't like 70 draftsmen, you know, doing this behind the scenes. It was just a couple of people who took a long time, took 10 years, but it, it happened. But yeah, I, I work better in the creative side than the technical side. Um, that's, but you're like most, most creative people, if they're smart, like you, they always have like a business manager or somebody that keeps them on track. Because what I love about you, Daniel, is we could party like all night, but at 8 a.m., boom, you're up. And you're yeah. off and most people can't, yeah. I you know, always, I always say like, if, if something needs to be done, I'm always going to get it done. Even yeah. if, if I'm going to suffer a little bit, I'm very lucky that I'm, I'm someone who can, I can drink and kind of get up and, and be functional. I yeah. might suffer for it later. I always get this thing called the second wave where I get up drinking all night, got up early, did what I have to do. And then by like three o'clock, like I'm dead. It's all my, like my body, like knows it's got to rest. So, um, and now that I own a nightclub, it's even worse, but but we'll get to that later. We'll get to that. So, um, tell me like, how did, cause I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but I feel like most of your clients come in just really from your personality that has a lot to do with it. Cause everyone wants to hang I'm out. Very, with you know, I, I have to say that social media, the rise of social media really helped me. I don't have a website. And the reason I don't have a website is because early on, I remember I, I tried to have a website with my with two or three of my early clients and they were all very private and they didn't want their they didn't want, you know, a lot of architects, especially on, on my level, you know, they do a project and they have a photographer come in and they take off. Guys. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they take photos with a professional photographer and they publish them in magazines. I've had the worst luck with clients like the my early clients. They didn't want a single they didn't want me to take photos with like my iPhone. They were, they didn't want any photos. They were super private. And that really, um, that held me back for a long time. But then when social media came along and those clients were done, like years had gone by, I would, I was posting, like, I remember 2014 or 13 when I joined Instagram, I was posting photos of homes I did in the late nineties. <laughs> I remember seeing those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the reason I did that is because now I could post them. Like the, yeah, yeah. like 10 yeah. years had gone by. I'm like, my client's not going to follow me on Instagram. They don't know. So I didn't have a website forever because every time I posted something, I'd get a cease and desist from someone saying, you can't publish our interiors or the exterior. And I wasn't smart enough back then. And I didn't have the clout to say to a client, I'm designing your house, but at the end, I'm taking photos. I just said yes to everything. I was so happy that they were hiring me. And, and early on, you know, I was my, my first job I got because I worked for an architect who did one of these. He was one of those architects that all his clients were that, that 1%. Like all his clients were in Aspen. They were in the Hamptons. They were in New York City. So I worked for this guy 
And I remember this one client, I was speaking to him on the phone and um, he was considering building a house, but he wasn't sure yet. And let me speak to your boss. And I kind of did something shady. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to start my own business. So if you could work with him or you could work with me. Yeah. And that's how I started my business. But that client was super private and I was never able to post pictures of his home. So like I said, I never, the rise of social media in around 2013, 14 is when I started posting my work. I see these random photographs on Instagram. And and by the way, I've never had like anything that you see on my Instagram. I took those photos myself. Like on my iPhone. You're like, even the pictures behind you, like you are so um, talented is not the word you, when somebody comes to you. Yeah. Do you see it immediately? Because I almost feel no, like I'm talking to you. I don't. It all has to do with the client. And, and, and if you, people always ask me, you know, what style do I work in? Just roll through my Instagram and look. There's so many different styles that people think yeah, that, there's, that there are different architects that are doing these things. It's like you take, you it depends have, on the client. Yeah, because, well, no, because you see a lot of designers and it's just, it's almost antiseptic, beautiful things within the, you know, exterior, interior. Yeah. But you, you have layers to your work. And, um, well, what I, what I like to, when I meet a client and I, I say to them, I'm doing a new project right now and I, and I'm, I'm just doing the interiors. I'm not doing the architecture. Um, the art, the house is already done. So they they Mm -hmm. came to me when the house is already done they say, we want to do the interiors and you know, you can make your house look like an RH catalog, which is beautiful, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or you can throw in layers of unusual things. So what I like to do is I like custom furniture what I design myself. And, um, I like stuff that's store-bought, like I'll throw in something from restoration hardware, but then I'll, I'm on first dibs all the time looking for unique things and mix it up. Um, so I think that, you know, m- my own interiors is, this is, this is, um, this is a mix of all the stuff that I've collected throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Some, some things are from my parents' house. Some things are from clients' houses that they didn't want. Some things from my antique stores. Some things are from the junk store. Some, so there's a lot of, there's a mix here. There's a lot of high low here too. And I do that with my clients. And it doesn't matter if it's a $20 million house or if it's a $2 million house. Um, I just like to mix it up. So, but style wise, did you ask me about my, no, you didn't ask me that. No, no, like, no but I'm curious. Do you have synesthesia? I don't know. What's that? That's oh, when, when you smell, when you smell colors and all that stuff. Like when you're listening, for example, some, not everybody, sometimes it's different for you know, different people, but like some people, when they hear music, they see colors. No, no, no. no. I, I know what you're talking you about. Don't, but no, I just, no, I, no, I don't have, no, I don't, I don't have that. Uh, by the way, I want to tell you that you're really making me out to be this hyper talented person that I'm really not. Okay. But. Folks, Denny was incredibly talented, but he's also really humble, but you don't, I see a lot of things, you know, and I travel a lot yeah. and Mm, you're in a world apart, you know, and you're not, you don't have the, um, I don't, if my head explodes on camera. Yeah. I mean, well, it's true, Daniel. And I wouldn't just say that, you know, like it's really incredible. Sometimes I'm like actually leafing through your Instagram, which is not often, but I've seen things and I'm like, Oh my gosh, he designed that. Like I thought maybe you took a picture of something that you saw somewhere that you liked. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then I see another reference to it somewhere else. And it's like, you know, you've, you've created this for a client. You know, it's what I, I, in the early days of Instagram, I didn't have enough work to, to fill it up. Right. So I would post things that I saw that were inspiring. And a lot of designers do that. A lot of designers 
they, they see something on Pinterest or whatever, and they, they, they repost it and they, they don't claim it as their own. They say, Oh, this is, I love this. This is beautiful. And I, and I did that a lot at the beginning. And, and what I was really doing was I wasn't, I wasn't putting that out there for other people. I was putting it out there for myself because I was creating my own um, narrative about how, how I wanted my career to go. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early days, I was doing a lot of classical Mediterranean, Miami, Palm Beach style. And, and that sort of was my thing. And then I started posting things that weren't my own projects. This is early on. And, and I was just hoping that I'd have a client that would want something like that. And then I, then I would, and then I would bring it in. So if you look deep into my, 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 my photos from back in the day, you'll see a lot of work that's not mine. But as you, you scroll through it, you start seeing my work looking like the things that I was posting that weren't mine, if that makes sense. And this so, is interesting. So do you, did you ever have like a, a vision of where you saw yourself at this stage? Like, what is it like to be where you are now? Because I mean, this is, this is a pretty interesting seat that you're sitting in now. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm sitting in a sofa that my client didn't want. And so I had to eat it. He was very, I know, I, I know you're kidding. And I know that I'm a little bit, but this sofa that I'm sitting on. Which is incredible. It's a beautiful sofa that I bought with, and my client loved it in a photo, got it at his house. And he was like, I hate it. It's disgusting. Oh my God. And, and he goes, and I'm not paying for it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm paying for it. So yeah. I, I put my old sofa, I put I it on my Instagram. I'm like being like, it's disgusting, yeah. but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are your clients, I mean, I can't even imagine what it must be like to work with, because it's such an intimate space. So does, some clients are very difficult really, and they know what they want and they just need somebody to help them get it done. Mm-hmm. And then some clients let me do my thing. And do you ever um, have to release certain clients? Cause you're just like, this is oh, never yeah. really. Yeah. I've done. Yeah. You know, I always, I was always very proud of myself because as, as a designer and a, as an architect, I had a pretty good track record of not being kicked off jobs and not um, leaving jobs. But I, you, you know what the, the, the more high end your clients become and the, the more money they're spending and the more, the more, the weirder they get. And so, yeah, I'm going to, in the last two years, I've had to excuse myself from two projects and I'm like, I can't work with you. And I've said that, <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, I've returned their deposits, like giving them a hundred thousand dollar deposit back, just send it back, just resend it to them and just never spoken to them again. Um, and then I've, and I've had, you know, I can't, I can't imagine that because you are a pretty easy person to get along with. That's crazy. But you know what? It's, I'm I'm getting better and it'll it'll never be a hundred percent. I'm getting better at spotting clients that are going to be difficult to work with later on. And and I always thought that I had that talent, like, Oh, this guy is going to be difficult. I'm not going to work with him. But remember when you're, when you're hungry, Mm -hmm. You're like I'm gonna I'm gonna make this work. I don't I don't care how difficult or annoying this guy is. I'm gonna make it work because I, I want to get it done. I want the house to be done. I need to get paid. Um, but you know, as as you mature and you you have more projects under your belt, you can kind of pick and choose your clients. And I still make the mistake of, oh, this guy's gonna be great. And sometimes the one that I think are gonna be the best turn out to be the worst. And the ones that I'm like, oh, this guy's kind of dead inside. Like he's not gonna. You know, this might not be, a, this might be a bread and butter project that I'm not going to post. Yeah. That guy turns out to be the best client. 
And the one that I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be on the cover of Architectural Digest with this client. They're the ones that like I got to get rid of. So I'm I'm not right all the time, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm still learning. So, what is your most prestigious project, and what is a project that you you love the most for personal reasons, or is it that one of the same? Well, my pres- the, the the house that got me the most attention is the house that's that has helped me and hurt me the most. Which okay. um, I, did you ever visit that that big palace that I designed? I feel like I did, and I think we went for a meeting years ago there. And so I, I worked, went with you. <laughs> I, I just, I did, I designed a house that was 50,000 square feet and it was a real, the client wanted an actual palace, like a Versailles what type year house. Was this? this was 20, this is 20, 2009 to like 2017 or 18 that, around yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So this client found me mm-hmm. and this is the house that kind of like, and it, and it hurt me and it helped me because it was an incredible project, but what he wanted was over the top. He wanted a house that was completely, he wanted a palace like Versailles yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with gold railings. Yeah, okay. and, yep. and so he had an unlimited, his budget could support the real thing. Meaning it wasn't going to be in a McMansion. It wasn't going to be something that looked like it was a faux finish that looked like it was stone. It was, we were going to make it out of stone. We were going to make the railings out of bronze. The doors are going to be mahogany. The, the the moldings were the crown moldings were going to be plaster. It wasn't going to be foam. Like he had the budget to do it all right, and we did it. And it took ten years of my life to do that, and that really put me on a whole other level. However, by the time that project this is this is this is how it worked. When I started the project, that Mediterranean years? classical. How many what? rooms? Ten years. I worked on that project for ten years, and that's the only project I worked on. Not ten years, like maybe it was like eight years. But That's like, it's, he was my only client. Wow. My only client. So I did that project and it started in like the late 2000s and ended in late, you know, 2010s. So architectural styles had changed. So by the time the, the house was done, I came out of it like a champion, like, oh, I designed the most expensive. And at the time it was the most expensive house in the United States. I designed the biggest, most expensive house in America. Look at me, hire me. I can do anything. But by that time, People didn't want that style of house anymore. They wanted modern, a little bit more clean. Um, and the house a little bit, it hurt me because I came out of it and I was known as the guy that designs these over-the-top palaces. Versace um, kind of. Yeah, very, very, yeah. So, But that's back you know, now. That's kind of back now. I mean, you see. It's not. But if you look at my work now, what I'm doing is I'm I'm mixing the two. So Mm -hmm. I design homes that look like they're they're historic from the outside. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, they're very modern. Yes. Like if that client let me do whatever I want, I would have designed the exterior exactly the same. But the interior would have been a lot more clean. But anyway, so that's the project that really set me over the top. And and then from there, I. You know, I, I suffered a little bit when I came out because I can tell you that when I was done with that project in 2017, 18, 2017, I was, I was left standing kind of not doing anything for about a year until I managed to do another project that was more, more modern. Somebody believed I never, I don't, I didn't have anything modern in my portfolio. And in 2017, a client came to me and goes, well, can you do modern? I'm like, yeah, I can do modern. And I did. And it turned out great. So now I've got, you know, when you look at my Instagram, you see like all these different styles of architecture. Like that guy did all those. And then you also do interiors of boats too, right? Or exteriors, interiors. 
Yeah, I do. I'm gonna, I'm going to say that around 20, <clears throat> 2017, I started really taking interiors more seriously. And I got high, and now half of my business is architecture, half of it is interiors. Sometimes the people who hire me to do one don't hire me to do the other. Very rarely do I do the architecture and the interiors. Usually I do one or the other, but not both. Because I always tell you, I've always said this, when I build my house, like you're the you're the designer. And there are very few architects that can do the whole thing, like interior and exterior. Yeah. So and very few architects want to. Like in the old days. You know, if we're talking about the Gilded Age, those Gilded Age architects, there was no such thing as an interior designer and an interior and an architect. They did everything. They selected Mm -hmm. everything that happened on the inside of the house. They did it as well. Sometimes there were decorators that came in in the back in the day and and did furniture and did drapes and things like that. But in general, architects had the full vision of the interior and the exterior. And and I try to keep that alive. Well, that makes sense because, I mean, it's all about how you function within And, the- and by the way, and I also respect other architects too because, like I said, I'm doing a project now where I'm not the architect. The house is done. It's a beautiful house. It's 20, 25,000 square feet, and I have nothing to do with the architecture. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go in there and say you got to change this and change this. I'm just going to respect what's there and then try to, try to make the, the, the home beautiful. And so just to close up the, the big project, so how do you build for eight years? I mean. Cause is it, to me, it's almost like, you know, people who can do. Like, no, I, we didn't, we, we didn't build that, that house. I didn't build for eight years. So they hired, I, I designed the house. It took about two years of design mm-hmm. of me meeting, working with that client, showing them drawings and showing them. And then the design, I'm going to say that the construction process took about four and a half years. Mm-hmm. To wow. build. I mean, the house is 50,000 square feet. So it was a big wow. house and it was on a gigantic lot. So it was like, you know, if, if you think about 50,000 square feet, that's enormous. An architect who's doing five, 10,000 square foot homes, you know, that's how long it takes. So mm-hmm. it, it made sense. And do you work with the same contractor more or less? D- depends. Different contract. I would love to work. There's some contractors. Sometimes I come, I come across a client and they have their own team ready. They've got their own architect. They've got their own architect and I'm the interior designer. They've got their own builder. And then, so it just depends. So sometimes clients come with their own team. Sometimes I bring in my team if I can. I love, I've got two or three builders that I work with who I love. I've got a bunch of subcontractors who I work with, but sometimes, you know, clients have their own, you got to work with my stone guy. You got to work with my whoever guy. And then I just, you know, you make it work. Incredible. And so which, what is your project that you're most proud of or most sentimental that has the most sentimental, sentimental value to you? Or do they all? The, the, yeah, I can't, I can't choose one. I mean, there's really, I, I could, I could pick and choose a little bit about different projects and, and I really love them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. not really, I mean, I, I'm guessing that the, the one that I'm going to be most proud of is the one when I, I haven't designed a home for myself yet. So That's when interesting. I, oh my God. Yeah. So when is that happening? That's interesting. I never thought about that. Can't wait. That's going to be an incredible know. party. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to build something somewhere else. I can't afford to, I can't afford to build a house in my own city that I'm born and raised in. Come to Spain. That'd be amazing. You'd love Actually, it. I was just in Spain. I loved it. I know you'd love it. Um, yeah. My, I can't mom, my mom. My I told my mom that I want to go back to Madrid because I didn't spend enough time there. And my mom called me out of the blue. It was two days ago, and she's like, "Your aunt and I want to go to Madrid and Lisbon. Do you want to come <laughs> with us in September?" And I'm I'm considering. They're going. You but should I'm considering joining. Do it. 
I've got to tell you. I don't know if I want to hang out with a bunch of old ladies, but. I'll, I'll like zip right in there. It's like, it's a, it's a bit of a mind bender for me because like quality of life, never experienced anything like this. Everything. I I believe you. To the way of life. Working here can be a challenge for an American, you know, because it's like timelines and you have to get things here. So it can be a bit of, it's a bit of a dance, but if you're living here, there's no place better. (laughs) I feel like it's better than Italy or France for, from like a quality of life perspective. It's incredible. It's incredible. Well, you know, it's, it's a balance between the quality of life and fees, you know, like I, I, I don't think I can, the, the fees, you know, a typical, a, a piece of land, a piece of waterfront land in Miami beach is so crazy that then, you know, the construction is more expensive. The architect's more expensive. So, you know, I see the, whenever I travel and I fall in love with a place, I always look at like the real estate there. Cause I have a mm-hmm. fantasy of like living there and building a place there. And it's, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could. I don't, I don't think I can move to another place and have my, my, the fees that I'm making now. So I've got to stay here. So I'm stuck in Miami. So once I save up enough, mm-hmm. I'm going to move to Spain. Yeah, we're yeah. going to be no, neighbors and, of... and we're going to live our best life. Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't, I cannot wait. Cause I love whenever I see you, whenever I see that area of your house, I just think about the time that I was like, Daniel, I'm so tired. I just, I had just come in from New York and I'm like, I just want to come over and hang out. And so you're like, Oh yeah, come over. And you're like, nobody's coming over. It's going to be cool. And then like yeah. 20 minutes later, the back door opens, the front door opens. And like within an hour, the house was packed with people. And, yeah. it was, and I just sat in the corner, watched all the shenanigans take place. Well, those, but, yeah. Well, you know what? Those days are kind of over. No, please. I, please. I'm telling you those days of like people coming in through my back door and just showing up those. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Those are the best days. So those, those, um, were, those were great days. What do you have like planned for your business or do you, do you not have a plan? You just kind of roll with it. Like I'm just rolling with what I'm doing now. Like, you know, hopefully my, my, my projects are getting, are, are going in the direction that I've always imagined them going in. Like they're, I'm happy. I'm happy with the way things are going. My gosh, um, so you know, as long as the economy is great and, and, and people are building and clients are spending money on, you know, properties and, and wanting to build new construction. And hopefully that's what's going to continue to happen. By the way, we didn't talk about 2008 to 2010, you know, when I was not doing anything. Wow. Like yeah, I was doing was zero. So <laughs> that was intense. Because I remember yeah, being was- in New York and watching like CNBC and the, the broadcasters were like terrified, shocked, stunned as the numbers were rolling downward. The stock, yeah. it was very eerie. You're like, what, what the heck is going on? It's crazy. Yeah, Europe has never recovered from that. It's, it's pretty interesting to. It took me a long time. It took me a long time to recover from that. Like this, the project, the big palace that I was telling you that that one came on the heels of that. So I went from <laughs> zero to a hundred real quick. Like I was like, my parents were paying my mortgage in 2008. And wow. then by 2009, you know, I would really started on that other project and, 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 and took off with that one. That's incredible. But, it I, was, but that's the most interesting story, you know, like as people see you here now, but they don't know all that you've kind of, you know, the ups and the downs. Yeah. Ups and ar- and the- with, with architecture and it, it's feast or famine with a lot of architects, you know, when things are great, they're doing wonderful. When things are not great, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not working. You know, I'm, I'm doing other things 
not I'm doing other things besides architecture, not because of that reason, just because mm-hmm. I like to do other things. Like I'm, I'm getting into the hospitality business now, which I never thought I would be in. Wait a minute. Let's talk about medium cool. Cause I was like, boy, he's there a lot. He must own that. He's got it. I hope he owns like a portion. He's a partner or something. Cause you're like there all the time. And I know everyone's probably going there because of you. So, um, I was talking, do you know, you know, Natalie Arango, of course. Yeah. Yes. And so Natalie and, and I brother. were, yeah, one. And uh, we were talking about your spot and I was like, you know what? I want to have a party for Elia at medium cool. So, you know, it. when we have our seated dinner, like I was, like I was dreaming with you the other day, you know, we'll have the after party at medium cool. So tell me about me. How did that happen? Um, it happened totally by accident and it was, um, totally makes sense great. though. What? It totally makes it really, sense. It made sense. So I, I have a friend, I have a dear friend who's like a nightlife guru. Like that's his thing. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's a Miami legend when it comes to nightlife and hospitality. And his name is Josh and his partner, Dan, and they own different bars around Miami. And they, they wanted to open this new spot. And they, he asked me if I wanted to design it. Mm-hmm. What, they, what they typically do is more bars that are kind of, you know, just kind of like medium and bars, um, late night spots. But they want to do something a little bit more high end. So they asked me if I wanted to design it. And I, and I said, yes. And then they were like, do you want a piece of the action? You know, instead of paying me, you know, said, why don't you design it? You know, we're going to finance it. And then you, you, you can be one of the owners and you can, you can be involved. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. So yeah. I got involved. I actually became an investor in it. Not just, it wasn't just, wasn't just my services that I gave. Like I started, I was like, okay, let me, I can put money into this place and I can make it my own. And, um, it didn't have a name. My partner came up with a name medium cool, which I hated at first. I didn't like it. I didn't get it. And I think it, and it's become so successful. And I think a big part of it is because the name, well, there's a lot of reasons why it's successful, but the name is important. Um, I'm there. People like to come and say, see me and say hi. And, um, and you know, I used to go to all these other spots. Like I I like to go out, like I'm someone I like to go out, I like to drink, I like to be social. So I would go out, you know, two or three nights a week in Miami and I'd go to different spots and I noticed that, you know, people were coming wherever I was going. And, um, I was like, well, just, I'm just going to go to one place now and then just bring everyone there. And then, so that's medium cool. So now medium cool is like my home. Um, I used to go to some other places. I don't know. and Wooten little slippers. You know, you take your photograph of your shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm getting some custom ones made with the logo of medium cool. I love it. They're being made right now, actually. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, that place is really fun. Do you serve what? food? Do you serve food? Um, not really. There's a restaurant upstairs. Mm-hmm. There's a great restaurant upstairs named Dolce. So if you want something, you can bring it downstairs. So it's not a big. We're it? open from. We're open just from six to to four in the morning, and we have two distinct, different like versions of it. There's like the six o'clock to like ten o'clock crowd, and there's live music, and it's very chill. The lights are a little up more and the music is a little lower and it's live music. And then it just turns into a nightclub. Oh my God. Like it's just for some reason, you know, around close to midnight, the disco ball goes on and I then it just it. turns into a nightclub. And it's honestly the funnest place I've ever been to in Miami. It is Never it's my favorite one place. I'm not there not because much. I'm one of the owners. I'm yeah. there because I love being there. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've never seen I you one place consistently like the same place. So I was like, he's well, got. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm promoting it because it's my place, but it's my absolute favorite place to go. Yeah. Well, before I it's knew my that favorite you place owned to it, be. before I knew that you owned it, I was like, he's he's. Well, listen, if, if I didn't, if I if I wasn't involved in the place, yeah. I wouldn't host it so much because yeah. I would look like a crazy person. But <laughs> but I never. But part of the reason that it was so shocking to everyone because I didn't tell a single human being that I was involved in this place. Like it just opened. And I was like, ta-da. But like, you know, these places take, you know, a year to to build out. And, you know, we put money into it, time and all this. And I didn't tell anyone, none of my friends. I just started posting about it. And people were like, why does he keep posting about this place medium cool? <laughs> and it was because part of it was I didn't know if it was going to be a success or not. So I didn't want to tell people, hey, I'm opening up a bar. And then it like flops. So, crazy. so thank, you know, thank God that it turned out to be such a success. And now in the in the summertime. You know, when a lot of the members clubs in Miami are suffering because, you know, all the rich folk are traveling and they're all, in Europe. you know, the, you know, we're, we're open to everyone. Medium yeah. cool is it's exactly that it's, it's medium cool. So the locals are really supporting us. So, um, you know, on a, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night in the middle of summer, we're packed with a line out the door and it's, and it's purely the locals. So, but where is I love it? it? Where is it? It is on 17th street between Collins and James. So oh. it's, it's near the Delano and it's near the Raleigh hotel. It's in the basement of the Gale hotel. So wait the a Gale minute. Hotel is in the basement. What do you love more? Cause I, when I think of Delano, I think of high school. Like what do you love more old? High school. You, were, you were getting into the Delano when you were in high school. <laughs> of course I was. Of course. <laughs> do you You're love old Miami me. or do you love new Miami? Cause it's like so different. Listen, I live in a, I live in a fantasy world of the past. Yeah. Like I live in a fantasy world of like vintage cars, like the vintage Smith. interiors. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I love everything old. And I know what, you're not talking about that old. You're just talking about old school versus new school. I mean, but, Miami's changed at least four times in my yeah. time that I've been there. It was the old Hasidic the, group. And then you the, have the like, glory days of Miami's like those, those golden days of Miami of the late nineties. Yeah. And then like now it's like totally different. It's totally different, but listen, I like now because I'm in the now, like I don't, oh, yeah. I don't live in the past, but I also live in the past. Yeah. So I, I, I love what's happening now, but Miami really, everybody says the same thing about medium cool, not to go back to medium cool, but everyone says the same thing. Miami really needed it. Yeah, because Miami has become such an expensive city and it's it's so exclusive um, that it's become all members clubs. And it's become like, you know, if you're not a member of this place, you can't get in. And and um, medium cool is just something that that I the timing was right. The timing was right. And I really credit my partners for that. Not necessarily me, but they were like, this needs to happen. And we want to mix, you know. Denio's energy into this place and it turned, and now and I'm going to be opening up another one next year. So where it's another be really medium beautiful. Cool? What? Another, another medium cool well, or we're another? opening other medium cools. That's but I'm, but I'm talking about a different concept altogether, a different concept between medium cool, which is going to be a little bit more um yeah, it's going to be over the top. We'll have another podcast about that place when it opens. Goodness, I can't wait. I don't like to talk about things before they happen. The only thing that, well, you're at the stage now where you can do that. You can afford to do that. I, the only thing I miss about Miami is like when we were in high school, we could like go to the beach and like, you know, hang out at the beach at night and, yeah. and like it was you're safe. You're talking about Miami beach, like the, the, the bars, not the actual sand. 
No, I mean the actual sand and the bars, oh. and we could all oh, like yeah, yeah. out. And now, like from what I understand, you, there's just no way. <laughs> it's a different <sighs> thing. Know. It's just you're right. You're right. There's a casualness mm. that's gone from the beach. Yeah. There, there was a time when there was 20 places to go to in a yeah. given night, and now there's just there's there's not that many places to go to. It's either really high end or dive bars, and the dive bars, which I love, there's only two or three left. There used to be. 10, 15 of them that you can bounce around Miami Beach and go to all these dive bars and have a great time and not spend $30 per drink. But now those days are over. Wow. Well, Denio, thank you so much. It's so good to see you. I miss you. I miss Miami. You I know have what? To let- you were so right. What time is it? It's been 15 I, minutes. I know. And it went it by like that. I know. I know. But I got you. I'm getting you out on time because I know you're very busy. But, um, I, you know, this means a world I'm not to me. That busy. Folks, he's busy. You're much in demand. I know that. So um, thank you so much for doing this, Dee. I really appreciate it. Um, I miss you and I love you very much. And I can't wait to see you. you. I love you too. Maybe in September when I go back with my mom. No, hopefully. Well, yes, that. But also I need to come back to the United States because I kind of miss miss home. (laughs) I'm so busy with production. So, Um, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, please check us out at ilia.com and just know that a dollar from each purchase is donated to the Deliver Fund, which is an organization that helps to uh, circumvent human trafficking and um, use ILIA 20 for 20% off of our collection. Thank I you so much. I can't wait to try it. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. You're going to love it. Thank you so much, G. Bye. Bye. Love you too. You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. (laughs) Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive? She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew? Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts.